In a world where globalization remains a preferred euphemism, standing in for empire and imperialism, one bear and one lady have transitioned to power, establishing their hegemony over the international podcast community. And your heart. It's Knackers. And the Vag. A specter is haunting your teddy bear. It is the specter of, of communism, of revolt, against the colonial project. He's full of beans. He's full of socialist, angry beans. He is the bear, the ghost of uh, freedom future. Certainly not freedom present. It's all fucked, isn't it? It's all fucked. My life's fucked. My teeth is rot. My, my teeth is rotten. My grammar is as bad. <laughs> so, if you would like to improve any of these things, but you don't by any means have to. If you'd like to make a little donazione, um, if you would like to become a partner of the fairly desultory project known as Knackers, 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 and the Vag, 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 Bear and Woman, your breakfast duo for a Fine future traffic and weather together. I've run out of commercial radio analogies. Who even listens to that shit anymore? Not you, which is why you're here. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. Little Knackers the Bear, because he's adorable, has attracted more than a thousand of your US violent dollars, which actually means that I've made, uh, or we've made a, a promise to. Uh, actually just have a a solid 30 minutes talking about people we hate. It'll just be very petty uh, and embarrassing. And, um, you know, we encourage litigation because it's just me and the bear and we don't have any assets to speak of. So try (laughs) fucking suing me. (laughs) you got to get the money out of Patreon. Anyhow, yeah, you could do that. You could not. What you could do is strap yourself down for what promises to be three intense days of absolute disagreement that gets nowhere as I am very rude to one of my closest people, a little guy. I like to call Francis Leach. Here's the bear. You know what to do with the bear. Hello, Helen. Good to be back on Knackers in the Vag. And I do believe that uh, Knackers does have a a series of uh, hidden bank accounts in the Cayman Islands. So, uh, we could probably unravel his uh, hidden wealth with uh, that is absolutely <laughs> that is a lie. That that is a I've lie. I've read the Panama Papers. I know he's in there. You know you you're you're doing to knackers the comrade <laughs> bear. What the media does to Julian Assange? What's that? And others lie, misrepresent. It's like hey, you you are ABC State Media. Oh, no, 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 it's an allergy, okay, stick with yep. me. And the bear is Venezuela. Yep. You are lying about the contents of Venezuela. Well, will you tell me what's happening in Venezuela? Though? Well, you could go to um, see Telesur News. Yep. There, are, there are many accounts, Consortium News. There are plenty of, <laughs> there are plenty of accounts. Um, you know, it's not like there is no other information. It's just that the information that is most immediately available is one of absolute unmitigated disaster. Now, it's really not the only country in the world that doesn't you know, maybe have the best current president. Um, Nicolas Maduro? Yeah. He, um, 
you know, he does seem to have some economic policies which remind me uh, most closely of the approach that the uh, leader of the Australian Greens takes, which is to say not terribly socialist and whatever he thinks at the time. You know, so he's going to try, you know, a universal basic income and, and, and a range of things. But yeah, so he's not the greatest guy in the world, but it is certainly not, well, it's not a socialist country. It's, you know, Chavismo was actually an extraordinary success in many ways. You know, I relied on petrodollars, blah, blah, blah. But anything that is anything resembling a successful social experiment or an attempt to, you know, engage in trade with other countries is not something like by the US and that's where the news comes from. It's very difficult to get other news. But it was only when people just started saying to me, why don't you go and live in Venezuela? Which is what they started saying after, you're Putin's puppet. Um, because apparently it's still the Soviet Union, which I was not aware of. I can report that it's not having been to Russia. Right. Right. Okay, so no more USSR. Yeah, no. Although the, you, the spectre of the USSR informs everything that happens in Russia. And indeed informs everything that, um, you know, will happen because that's a tendency of history. I mean, it was a big, meaningful thing that happened. But, you know, I mean, you, could look, you, could, you can look yourself. You can look yourself. I, I, will, I will just say that there is a particular spin and people are not starving. The accounts of repression and death have been um, uh, somewhat exaggerated. The sanctions that the US has applied on Venezuela, you know about these. Absolutely, I do. Of course, they've been there for a very long time. I mean, to, to, to actually like, fuck up a country and then say, look, socialism doesn't work, like to crush um, a country with the might of US imperialism and then say, say, your socialism doesn't work. Well, no, of course it doesn't because of fucking, you know, any meaningful challenge to, to the US. And I mean, it's very retro of them too. It's like, well, it's hey, very Nicaragua. Yeah, it was very, yeah, very Cuba. Um, but yeah, they're very probably Guatemala, anything little, on their southern border. Uh, so, but you can look it up uh, yourself. Uh, you can look on my Patreon page because I have actually been, um, I don't really feel qualified to uh, talk at length about Venezuela. It is something um, that one must examine. It is my hope to write a piece for interested partner, comrade, patron thingamies uh, that is a, a rough but informed guide to what is going on. But it's like, no, people are not starving there. There are products that aren't available, um, but it's like you can get tissues but you can't get toilet paper and stuff like that. But there are like Abby Martin, uh, who you might know from Telly Sir, uh, used to be on RT, um, you know, has footage of many different supermarkets and they're full, strangely. Anyway, enough. Why don't you just go and live in Venezuela? Enough of blaming the <laughs> victims of history for their own death. Let's leave that work to that fucking neck boil of a cock ring of a Nazi oh, promise. The man who came to prominence with 19 votes. Yes. You know it. Fraser Anning. 19, 19 votes wouldn't even win you a Brownlow medal, and he's a senator. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is actually, you know, a long problem because I understand I was watching, you know, uh, the sophologist Anthony Green? Yes, I do know Anthony. You know, he um, he has explained to me and many other Australians before on election night that a representative democracy, well, I would say it's not really representative. I don't know. But uh, 
this senator had some kind of record anyway. So I can't recall because I might have had a beer and I might have been a bit sleepy because, you know, what is more boring than fucking election coverage, let's face it? Oh, gee, that's a good question. Oh. It's like I'm not on the edge of my seat. Like, which bunch of deluded fuckers is going to fuck me next? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, that's the view. That, that's a cynical view, isn't it? Oh, yes. No, it's, uh, it's completely cynical. And, and you're quite right. Things are just getting better and better. Uh, capitalism is not encountering one of its frequent and inevitable crises of the minute. And we're doing such a good job on global warming. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, wages have never, and wealth have uh, never really been more equal. And I hear that Aboriginal people are allowed to vote now. So there has clearly been progress. progress. And not only can Aboriginal people vote for, I think, it's been the last couple of months, but, you know, so they can choose between two parties that don't represent their needs, as can I. So freedom, freedom, freedom. What would you prefer was um, Oh, my God. Oh, spell it out for me. I'm a revolutionary socialist. The fucking writing's on the board. <laughs> the just, fucking system is broken. I'm, I am sick of 300 years of imperialism. I feel emotionally, I feel intense fucking white shame. I, I, I look into the abyss of myself and I think my white identity participates in the same symbolic order I share code with Hitler. I share code with Fraser Anning. It is not that I am saying that I am personally complicit in the death, death, death that occurs in every moment of not just 50 dead and on the floor of a mosque in Christchurch. At what but point do I throw, do I throw the bear at you? World, so I'm sick of it. It is not fucking working. Haven't I made that clear? Sorry, what I would you prefer? I think you just did. You know, I just, it's, it's too much, right? It's too much. It's not working. It's not working, no. So what is the next, you know, so What's do you, the next best option? The next best, what are you talking about, no. the next best option? Well, I want you to tell me. It is utopian to think that this current system can continue all I of its- I don't think in, it is. Well, like it can't. I mean, I've got no idea what replaces it, though. Okay, I would suggest- a self-determined future. Like we just don't talk about self-determination and mean we tell you what to do and coerce you into agreeing with us or we misrepresent you. A future that is for the people, led by the people. A dictatorship of the proletariat by the proletariat. We are the dictators for our own future. And it is just a nonsense to say for, for mine, oh, well, you know, oh, it's just, um, you know, you know, always inevitably that there will be a ruling class. I mean, of course there has to be systems to manage that I don't understand. I can't fucking participate in all of them. But, I mean, what is it? It's been like the last, this country is not even very old. No, just over 200 years. In um, white so the, the years. country, well, the country, the territory is very old. Yes, I know. But, but we knew the, it. the nation state, I'm sorry for my language, the well, nation state. Less than 100 years as a federation. Well, I mean, just over 100 years. No, well, yeah, it doesn't matter because yeah. nothing changed. Like the nation state, yeah. like the idea, like in, the imposition of the, the Western invention of the nation state, like that was imposed not very long ago. I mean, sort of, you know, it's still, Treaty of Westphalia, is that where we're going back to? Yeah, Peace of Westphalia, yeah. absolutely. Very nice. You love your history, don't no, I you? I do like a bit of history. And so, you know, this is um, 
a Western invention. It has been a very, um, you know, popular uh, and efficient way. Um, and a disastrous way in many circumstances. Yeah, so, imposed upon uh, well, it's, the it, subjugated. It's just, yeah, it, well, it, it, I mean, inevitably. But anyway, so so why do you ask me what what is a better option? Like, uh the, the I'm more interested in the transition to it from your perspective, how we transition, because the science of Marxism says that it's predetermined by by the, uh, okay, the so inevitable we, decline of, of, of capitalism. Well, it does. I mean, that is a very crude reading of Marx. It is. It is. But that, no, I'm a I mean, very it's, crude it's very crude. Like, there intellect. are all sorts, like, I will concede, there are all sorts of, um, there are all sorts of ethical questions. What Francis says, as you, you probably know, is in one reading true, that capitalism is uh, a necessary phase of history. What he does not say is that the future is determined. Of course the future can fall into uh, fascism. The future can fall into itself. The world is haunted by uh, you know, the actual real possibility that soon it will, in terms of human history, just fucking end. But he doesn't say that you know, the revolutionary struggle is inevitable. At no point does, you know, Marx say, well, you can just relax now because communism is just naturally going to happen. Um, that is, I think, a crude reading. Um, but it's one, you know, but it is a reading that that, 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 that many people have uh, un- understand. But it's like not, the future is not Written predetermined. As, mm. Like um, anything can happen and that's sort of like historical materialism. One thing informs yeah. another, informs another. Again, a very crude reading. So... You know, that it's actually an interesting question and it's one maybe you want to sort of consider uh, Francis in ethical terms. The fact that, cap- you know, the fact even that Marx says, which is a surprise to many people who have no idea of what Marx's thought is, not just Marx, but, you know, many of us sort of have to struggle with this point. Was this productive era, this era in which we have, in fact, uh, created through our collective effort of labour, abundance for all, it's difficult to think, oh, well, that was, you know, that was a necessary phase for our future of kind of like leisure and abundance. It's, it's, it's kind of like difficult to cop in an ethical sense, right, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. I mean, the, the era of abundance we live in, which has been concentrated in the hands of so very few. Um, but so- And it was necessary to have it concentrated in the hands of a few for it to have its Productive period, but it's like, do you find that um, hard to kind of like cope with in a in a human sense? Uh, yes, uh, but I guess because I am not a revolutionary, and you know that um, I'm an incrementalist, and I know that drives you mad. Well, I mean, it's just false because things are getting incrementally worse, not better. <laughs> yes, that that is that is a fair argument to have, but I don't see the answer in the binary choice of uh, fascist ideology and state corporatism and and Marxist revolutionary uh, reorganisation of the of the of the uh, of the economy. Well, I think what because somewhere in between, a whole raft of people will be. Lost to a choice that they don't want to have. You can you can say that you don't believe in it, as in, um, you know, this is not um, my faith, but it is unfortunately what history tends to produce. That we have a binary choice between the two. Well, it's not as though there's one kind of uh, 
you know, choice that is predetermined or or another. And we don't know what socialism would look like until we try it just as we didn't know what capitalism would look like until we try it. So, you know, I would just say by many measures or in fact any that I can think of that the reported 18 million deaths per year due to poverty, the result of capitalism, uh, are, are too many. I read a thing. Uh, I'm no fan of poverty, as you know. But yeah, so you're no fan of capitalism. No, I, I struggle with it. But you know that our wealth that we enjoy, but and we are pretty lucky white people, right? Very lucky. Uh, the blessed, the lucky. Okay, so you know that that wealth is contingent on the under current conditions on the immiseration of others and you know you are wearing clothing likely made by a dead woman right i mean i am it's all i can afford one worker buying you know the textiles sewn by um another worker and a woman likely to be dead so your life is contingent on the 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 continued colonization of other lives so I'm not good with that, I've got to say. I need it to change. No, and I accept that that's a powerful argument. The, the transition to what you see as, as a idealised future is one. No, it's not an idealised future. Well, if you could. It's a future that has to happen. We do have the choice to use the words of Trotsky um, or, or Rosa Luxemburg or, you know, the many people who have offered this iteration. Um, I know that barbarism is not a word that 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 we use, and it is in fact, you know, it's got a very racist history of use. Um, but the choice we have is between barbarism and socialism, and you can see that occurring in so many parts of the world. So you can say, I don't believe in it, as you did, like as in, I would not, pre- I would prefer neither. I would prefer a different combination of things and i understand that I, I i do you know i'm a keynesian so that i know that makes you feel bilious okay do you want to talk about that because i was really <laughs> rude to you last time that's okay keynesianism worked um to stabilize conditions for a small number of people in the world for a period of time capitalism is a dynamic force it does not stay still the neoclassical view of or the classical view of economics is that it's just pretty much the same thing all the time and it's and it's supply and demand, right? So I give you something and, and you know, the market yeah. will decide. And the, so capitalism is not like um, a system that does not itself create change. I mean, we, we're quite happy with the idea of thinking, oh, well, you know, the techno- technological innovations of capitalism will um, change a particular labor market right so we'll you know we'll say oh that's you know and so capitalism changes itself it is a dynamic force the marxist view and you know the view of uh, people who can do things with numbers <laughs> which ain't me well not i either i'm not a big fan of um, i wish i was yeah well, me i too. miss maths yeah completely uh yeah, like numbers and shit, like it's not, it's not good. And it's like really, Words, really. Words, yes, numbers, no. Yeah, is it me, your too, me? Yeah. Too. Like really, really, really hard to understand capital volume too. Yeah. Um, this stuff comes easier to some than, 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 than it does to others, but it's not really 
kind of a numbers case. Um, I think the uh, the thinker um, uh, Yanis Varoufakis, not a Marxist, um, fascinating is, man. Have you yeah, met him? I, I well, like I'm one of about 500 ladies waiting at his dressing room to <laughs> service him sexually. Um, but unfortunately, there were many younger, more uh, <laughs> more more progressive. Hotter ladies, no, I just, yeah, no, no, I never have, have tried. Um, so, you know, there's this crisis tendency, right? Like for a system that in, in changes its internal conditions. So, and it needs crisis to, yeah. to survive. And so you say you're That's looking crisis. in, a, yeah, well, you, well, I mean, the, the, the contradictions are implicit. Um, say, like an example, uh, like a micro example would be Uber. So, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing, flexible conditions. It's good for mums and dads. And what occurs is that you have now a large number of, you know, rideshare drivers who work in circumstances that is my sense and probably your Keynesian sense that should not be legal, right, just should not be legal. Um, Uber should not be able to offer finance you know, its own finance arrangement to drivers, it should not be able to talk to people fresh from a UNHCR camp and expect them to um, immediately understand the contracts before them. I don't fucking understand them. I don't think a person who is suffering um, PTSD, you know, intergenerational trauma, who is just here, understands a finance contract either that is not to be condescending it is just to say that contracts are difficult and the language belongs uh, to finance companies. So they do all these illegal, well, things that I believe are criminal things. And what we have now is a lot of people on very kind of like insecure, uneven wages, more and more people doing this kind of work. And so the gig economy, which is a yeah, horror show. Yeah. And so, you know, wages uh, go down. And for a while, you know, people who are comfortable are like, oh, that's good. Oh, this is cheap. And then what happens? So many of us are in those sorts of jobs and, you know, we're all atomized now, not talking to each other, far away from each other, like physically uh, these days as, as Isolated. more commonly yep. the case. And so none of us have any money to buy the, the products on offer. And then so like the state response would be to that and has often been austerity. Like, uh, you know, the economy slows down. So in order to stimulate it, we're going to slow it down even further and make sure that the masses have fucking nothing so they can't go to the doctor and, yeah, we're not going to fund their kids' schools or give them any hope and going to make it really, really hard for them to get any kind of unemployment insurance. We don't insure them and they can only have it for a while. And if they don't take the next shit gig economy job that comes along, which they already know is unsustainable, well, we'll take them off it. So all this does is, is, is stagnate and deaden the economy. That's just maths. But you see all of these things can occur. So that's just like one kind of like little cycle, one kind of uh, little effect. So you can say that you're Keynesian. Um, but you must also admit, I think, that, okay, so it was a response that worked in the West, in the West only, to make your life and my life possible. and. So it worked then. How can you tell me that it's going to work again? Uh, well, I don't know if it'll work again because the circumstances are changing. I mean, still, look, 
the difference between you and I is that I don't see that a revolutionary future is the sustainable answer to. Well, what is then? I mean, you ask me, I mean, not you, but everyone, it's like you ask me, well, what's your revolution going to look like? I don't know what it's going to look like the day after revolution. I just know that history is changing. And so let's seize it, all of us. All of us at once. But how do you bring everyone with you and all those people who do not want to be part of your revolution? And that would be, to be perfectly honest, at this particular stage in, in, uh, in things, the vast majority of people who don't have a place in your revolution, what to do with them? And for those What that- do you mean they don't? I mean, all comrades have a place in my revolution. It's not my revolution. It's a, a, it's a revolution for all. I, even if I fucking hate you, which I probably do. I mean, you probably don't like me. I don't want to fucking sit next to you on a plane. You think I'm a bore. I mean, would you fucking want to be my friend? No, I don't know why Francis is my fucking friend. Why are you my fucking friend? I'm annoying, right? Why are you my friend, right? Because you're endlessly entertaining and a brilliant mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and retain my girlish figure? Magnificently. Thank you. <laughs> so. So um, answer my question, though. So if you have a. But you're asking me what will my future look like? No, I'm asking you about the nature of revolution itself, the core of revolution. So a vanguard that leads a revolution that believes it has the answers to actually rearrange uh, both the economy and the social structure within a society, then then in, in, inevitably will subjugate people who are not party to it and don't want to be party to it and think differently to behave in ways uh, that... Well, I will show them that they will be free. No, it's it's like, no, it's not a... So how do you bring people along with you? That's my question. Well, you know, what what can I do? Like I'm a 55-kilogram woman with, you know... Not just you. Producing the, no more eggs. Your comrades uh, that believe that know, this look, is a future that is possible. I mean, like I don't even know if I believe in a kind of like, especially not like an intellectual vanguard, right? Like I am a plonker. As you know, you're a bit of a plonker. Like we are... You know, we are five star. We are working. We're like the worst kind of plonkers, uh, Francis and I, because we're white Catholic <laughs> working class people whose previous generations lived in shit. We had like you know slightly bright minds, and so we were like, "You are the future. You're going to be a lawyer." That was a case for yeah. him and for me. I gave that a try. I wasn't very good at it. Yeah, I gave it a try too. I'm Same. shit. Like I just be. You would like, have been a good lawyer, though. Oh, what? Because they're like a relentless nagger. That's the only. No, I mean Wait. I know. Like I know. Play to your strengths. No, no, no. Actually, here on Knackers in the Vag, I'm going to argue um, with another lovely gentleman, and I don't know why he talks to me either. Uh, you know, not a friend, but an ally. Uh, the top silk, uh, Julian Burnside. Yes. Coming up, uh, who is joined the Greens? Oh. Why? Why didn't he just strike out on his own? I will his find own? out. Please ask him on my behalf, Julian. Why don't you just be your own man? He, he that's why I'm going to ask him. He could have. He's not. He's not as stupid. Stupid. No, but I, I think, he, he I, I think he's made reason. a mistake, and I think he's blown it. Yeah, I don't think I know enough. Mm. And you, there, there could be anything going anyway. on. He could be using party machinery um, yeah. for his whatever. I don't begrudge him. He's run at it because uh, you know. The more, mis- the more mischief you Wait, can so make. we want more fucking independence like that pillock fucking Karen Phelps? No, I don't. I'm, I'm fully supportive of his attempt to knock over Josh Frydenberg. Go but, for your life. I just think yeah. he's made a misstep. I think he's- Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll find out. We'll yeah. find out, you know. Like, oh, I'm happy to talk with yeah. you about this, but we'll, we'll find out. Tune in to Knackers, 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 and the Vag, 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 where I will be trying to convince another fucking stubborn liberal- 
They, they've got it all wrong. And they'll say to me, well, what does your future look like, little lady? Get out your magic. Why are you a revolutionary? Don't you understand that you're just imposing your will Get out your m- people? magic Marxist magic eight ball and we can ask it some questions. Yeah, look, change is inevitable, right? That's all that's I want to. That's the only thing that is certain. That, that, that is all I want to communicate. I want to communicate what I have learned being like you, a person that resists uh, like at her very core, anything to do with fucking numbers at all, and it's kind of nice to read some of. Well, if you're a dick like me, <laughs> it's kind of fun to read some of Marx's correspondence. Because oh, I've got read his letters. If you, who did he write to? Who was his? Oh God, he wrote letters all the time. I know, but have the... you ever received one of those like tedious letters from me? Like you get all this kind of like extra revolution. I mean, not that I'm Marx, but it's like you get all this extra revolutionary energy. And you just write really like if you ever get an email from me, you, you can always email me, Helen at badhostess.com. It might be about two thousand words long in the Marxist tradition of whining. So of course he wrote to Engels, he wrote some beautiful letters to Jenny, his wife. Yep. I mean, there's so many correspondences and some of them You could have got insight into him as a person from reading his letters. Well, I'm not really that interested in Marx the person. Why not? Because I'm interested in the ideas that we call Marxists. Because you can be both, though. Yeah, whatever. Like for me, <laughs> but for me, the great like this is kind of like a a symbolic um, distinction that I'm making in my head. Like I don't think that history is changed by great men. I do not believe the great man theory of history. I believe I am an instrument of history, just one subject among seven whatever billion people in the world. I am not special. I mean, obviously, I am. Patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. <laughs> Show me I'm special with dollars. US. I'm not Blood money special. From I'm an instrument of history. I am a product of the ages. There are things inside my code. I participate in the order uh, because I have no choice. Well, you none know, of us do, really. Very Various kinds um, of order, some of them necessary to the human condition. Uh, such as the symbolic order that we constitute in order to uh, have an idea of our identity, which changes over time, but the economic order, which or the mode of production, which changes in itself, the mode of production is capitalist. It's changing. In the, in, if we survive meaningfully into the future, I propose, although I don't know, but I propose that the year 2019 will not be considered a capitalist year. Why not? What's different about 2019? Well, the era of neoliberalism is a significant change. You know it. I know it. There is this sense of atomization. So do you think that that's coming to the end and there's a new phase about to... Well, I'm just just saying, so if you think, uh, like I'm pretty ecumenical socialist, like I'll talk to anarchists and stuff, and the guy, David Graeber, who I think you know, the guy wrote um, like Debt, The First 5,000 yep. Years and wrote a really fun book recently. Like It's a good, if you're a serious prick like me who's like, you know, full of the contents of history, continually, painfully investigating in a therapeutic style, all that is wrong with you uh, and all that is wrong with the world simultaneously and you are inclined to long bouts of depression, Hey, how's your depression going? Yeah, I've been okay. Other Only pills? because you finally made me go see a doctor and 
Yeah, oh, look, your beautiful partner would have done that too. Yeah, the both of you. You're wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, bitches, be whack. We'll nag you and we'll <laughs> nag you and we'll nag you until you fucking do what we say. We are the civilizing influence of history. We well, have been in my um, life on more than one occasion. Yeah, so. but I mean, I know how you, like, how's it going? Yeah, I'm going okay. Are you, can we talk about, like, have you taken any pills? You don't have to answer. It's like yeah, nobody's no, business. I'm totally on the medication. I've got no shame about it now. And you taught me that, not to be, like, um, Try to pretend that it's anything other than medication. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. Because I was on this podcast previously and talked about it. So, yeah. yes, at the other side of that, I'm um, at some point, I think I'm ready to transition off my medication. But I'll, at the moment, it's, yeah. life is pretty good and I'm able to function really well. And I'm quite happy with where it's at. Yeah. At and the moment. it I'm, was a sense of tiredness, I think, with you. Now you can feel like a little bit distant from the depth. Right. Yes, that's a good um, way to describe it. So it's like a lot of your depression was associated with feeling that the thing that you did every day in order to survive, i.e., labour. Yeah. You became not confident that your labour was useful. That, and I think my identity was way too wrapped up in who who I was with what I did, and that's unhealthy. It is unhealthy, but. But it was out of balance. Yeah. That's the right way. It is unhealthy, but so, yeah, this is a thing that I, you know, I did. There's this guy called Marx and he has the same view. <laughs> oh, I've heard of him. But, like, going back. Has he written a book? Yeah, um, a couple of <laughs> pamphlets, yeah. Uh, apparently some of them have even been translated into <laughs> other languages. So this is what I am confident that I can say about human beings, right? And it's not very much. Uh, one, we are naturally social. We do not become human subjects unless we are social. We're prematurely born mammals. We need care for at least the first eight years of our life to survive. We are drawn to other people. We are, our existence, our physical existence, as well as our identity, is contingent on the presence of others. Yes. We can say there is no such thing. It as, sustains us. We can say, as Margaret Thatcher did, there is no such thing as society, uh, but there is, and we are, even if we don't get out much, involved in it. It's yeah. ridiculous to pretend otherwise. So we are naturally social. We are naturally inclined to acts of productivity, and that could be uh, developing over time intensely efficient or languorous new techniques in masturbation. It could be uh, the production, uh, the collective production of uh, open license software. It could be the project that Wikipedia once was. Uh, it could be, you know, whatever it is. And so let's just say that some people have certain na natural inclinations towards some things and certain who knows? Yeah. I don't know, but that's all I know. But a sense of meaning in whatever you're doing. So you're, you say your identity is wrapped up in the thing that you produce, and I would say to you that is inevitable. Yeah. But when the thing that you produce is determined by others, then your identity becomes determined by the conditions of your day. And that is your introduction to a materialist <laughs> understanding of the human labourer Blah, 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 enough. But, yeah, so David Graeber was talking about, um, uh, I can't remember, what were we talking about before? 
Uh, we're just talking about how my you know you can be wrapped up in your identity and your work becomes but uh, before your, the depression the whole, thing. Ah, uh, well, we no, it's a lot going down that road. Anyway, you were like Helen. What is your future? And I'm yeah. like, well, you know, your future is utopian. How are you idealizing it? How are you going to um, not impose your will on others? I don't know, but I know. But don't you need to find an answer, or not an answer, not a definitive answer? But don't you need to find an explanation of how that works? Because otherwise it just becomes another form of tyranny. So there's nothing wrong with a diagnostic approach to history, right? Like we we are barely, especially as Western people, and we we must talk about the thing, we're white people. We have white identities. If we even look at the evidence that we are racially defined as white, white people, we fucking freak out. You know, like we pretend that we're not white. We bury no, the I don't evidence. think there's any uh, chance that we can deny that. No, I'll, we'll go into that. Order in of human minute. beings, right here. Today. But the, but this is yeah. But the the fact of white identity. What do you mostly hear when somebody is told that they're white or that their white identity has played a role in who they became? They say, "I don't see color." Right? Okay. Bullshit artists. Then. Yeah, but a lot of people are bullshit artists. So okay, look, whatever. Let's just get on to the thing that I think is probably informing so many of us. You know what I'm talking about uh, and you, you know where, it, in which mosque it happened and there is nothing to say about that act in itself other than it's an atrocity. And then the second thing that you would naturally say just as a human beast is, I don't get it, how does this happen? And so then the next step is either if you are a white person, to say, okay, so this is how it happened. And from what I see in this nation state, which is dominated by the voices of white identity, and that's my only identity and that is how I speak and that's the language I understand, the best that I can do is understand that I don't understand you, my black comrade, you, my Muslim comrade. I'll try and I'll try, but I won't. You were saying to me earlier, like, you don't understand what it means to be a woman. I've become more acutely aware of that. But it doesn't matter that you don't understand. I know, but I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but I've become acutely aware that despite my desire to be a good man and make sure that I try to understand the circumstance in which women have to walk through the world, that I can never truly understand it because I'm not a woman. Um, and, and also, you know, and it's not just the category woman. It's what kind of woman are you? What age of woman? What colour of woman? How do you appear? Are you white passing? Are you passably attractive in terms of dominant order? All of these things. You know, there are so many ways to be offensive as a woman. And you say, I don't understand what it is to be a woman. I don't either. You know, to a degree, like sometimes mm, I get what you're saying. You can't, you yeah. can't, because there's so many different. Like it, it surprises me. Like sometimes you might be reminded of your identity and you're surprised, right? Yeah, I think and, uh, my. I'll give you an example because where I live, I live in as a minority. So um, I live in a, you know, in a very Hasidic neighbourhood, which is unusual for a white Western guy like myself, who's you know, a um, <laughs> is an atheist, and uh, you know, I live as a so I know what it's like to be the other, and I know what it's like. Not in the same sense as a woman having to make her way through a violent. Well, you're not the other in in the sense that you are, in fact, the dominant culture. So you'll still be understood in that orthodox neighbourhood as um, the the dominant identity. 
Yeah, I maybe. Yeah, there's there aspects to it which are interesting, which it's yeah. just not. Um, so I know what a little bit. I've got a tiny shred of what what that's, but it's not a threat to my well-being, my health, my future, my you know my physical well-being. Um, so, but I, it does make me want to try and understand because, particularly when it comes to women, because I can I can never really. And you talked about it with me earlier that feeling that you have in your gut where you feel like you you actually care enough or you believe enough in yeah, it comes naturally to you to be yeah. to be to be there to want it desperately so that you can actually make make change and do good yeah, in the world. like there is an intellectual understanding that does not proceed unless you truly uh feel examine it. your gut yeah you know and i feel that when it comes to gender gender issues i really truly truly do and it, it's and if, if I allow myself to, to think about it, it frightens me that I can't. But it's okay. Like I am never going to understand what it's like for me to be like a settler and, um, and you know, the understanding that many white Australian people have is that this is their land. I mean, you know, even those who uh, can openly critique um, Zionism and, and, and Zionism's settler practice, you don't see it in yourself. So there is no universal understanding possible. And this, in fact, is weird because the sort of idea in Western culture is that we can eventually understand everything and we sort of like impose this universal view and we say, oh, people are people. And, you know, as a Marxist, all I say is all I know about people is that, um, and, yeah, i got to say as as um, a, a Marxist who takes the Marxist advice, which is in a letter, um, to examine my white, to examine my shame. I feel deep shame, right? This week I feel deep shame. It's useless. I'm not going to give it to you, my Muslim comrade. Uh, it's my white shame and my white shame can inform me. And that, so that's sort of what I mean. Like if I feel shame and then I intellectually interrogate that, um, then that is useful. And that's an example, I think, of what, you're talking about when you feel it in your gut. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and you find that it actually that physical sensation, like that real encounter can, and for me, shame is really powerful. And that's exactly right. And I think, it, yeah, it is that physical encounter where you, you feel shame. I'll give you an example. So even just in the last few days in, in uh, the world of you know, sport, which I used to roam around, and there's some really horrible disgusting online postings about a young footballer by the name of Taylor Harris who plays in the AFLW. And um, and I felt deep shame at the way that some men responded to a magnificent photo of her playing uh, the game. There's a magnificent, I'll show it to you, Alice. It's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful photo of this woman doing what men have always done. And that's to, um, this is Taylor Harris. I'll just show that photo of her in full flight. Just a magnificent photo of this young woman. Oh, my fucking God. No fucking legs on it. Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. My immediate, my immediate reaction is to completely objectify, objectify that it. woman for my. And, but that's what happened at, the other, at the other side of, of that photo of Taylor was a lot of men making comment about her appearance, making jokes about her genitals, belittling this fantastic athlete. And my instinct was to be ashamed as a man. And well, can I read you something? Because of that. Shame is a truth which at least teaches us to recognise the emptiness 
of a patriot of our patriotism and the abnormality of our state system. Shame is a revolutionary sentiment. Karl Marx wrote this to Arnold Rouge in 1843. I didn't see this until in this long and tedious investigation of my shame, which is not your shame, my comrades who are not full of shame and need not be full of the shame of the dominant race identity, of course. I read it in um, uh, Franz Fanon, you know, this bloke? No. Uh, it was really like, if you want to read it, oh, like a sort of like psychoanalytic Marxist from the 1950s, incredibly influential in terms of like he did this thing called auto theory, which is sort of like using, which was revolutionary uh, as writing practice at the time, where he's kind of like writing about uh, his own experience, sort of like the therapeutic approach, which yep. is now what everyone fucking does on Oprah and Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and, and Instagram all the time. Like, here's my life and this is how. So it's like kind of like really, really, really how the personal can be political as a style, great at the time. So I read this in um, France Fanon, like one of the really great thinkers um, about the colonial project and what it means to have the white European uh, unconscious or the white identity or whatever you want to call it, like the master identity. And so in one sense, and I really hope you have listened to the chat that we had with Tanin Onus Williams, an Aboriginal person, and they say that you're never going to understand me and that punched me in the gut. And if you want to hear the sound of me being sick, certainly listen to that, you know, like because it was a nausea, that encounter. Because it's something you want but you'll never have. Too. But it's like, oh, my God, that is so fucking settler of me. I want to understand you. And their conception. Because that also demands something of, of that person to actually explain themselves and why should they? Yeah, and everyone understand. everyone who is not white has a pretty good instinctive if not intellectual understanding of what this white identity that we have and that we're struggling to believe that we don't. Because we always presume people want to understand us. Yeah, Tunin reminded me it was James Baldwin who said mm. that I understand every inch of your house because I clean it. Yeah. And the one corner of your house um, in which I'm permitted to live on subsistence is the one corner of the world that you can't understand, yet you think you understand everything about me and you rationalise things and you say that you don't see colour. So what I want to talk to you, I guess, about is um, because we can talk about women, but fucking women get talked about all the fucking time. Okay. And we're like, oh, women, 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 oh, we're dying. Oh, 70 of us died last year. Yeah, also 200 men. And, hey, that's a really low homicide rate. We are one of the fucking safest nations in the world. So you tell me what your Counting Dead Women project does other than frighten young women. You know, and then you tell them, but they shouldn't be frightened. They should be allowed to go everywhere. Well, fuck me. Make a choice. Let's count dead Muslims, shall we? I wonder how many have died this week. I wouldn't know. Well, I know that 18 million people overwhelmingly of colour will die this year um, due to poverty and the ongoing colonial project. But I also know that we will never know how many people die. I just know that I've got a pretty good idea if I dive deep into, you know, the statistics of poverty measurement and the world's primary provider of this is the World Bank, that a lot of people fucking die and they die and they die and they die. 
And that's not good, right? Self-evidently not. So how do you think race and your racial identity uh, plays into this? And when did you come to realise that you had a white identity, like really know it in your gut? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, you know, when growing up as a kid, you didn't know that your identity as a white person mattered. What mattered more was your circumstance, your material circumstance. So growing up in a poor family, everyone around you was pretty much white. Uh, That changed as 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 our community changed. And it did change. It changed dramatically. But the mark, the marking identifier of who you were was your class. For me. Can I tell you something? You know the 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 black writer, the Aboriginal academic Tony Birch, Australian bloke. Well, you know, on his passport anyway. And Australia is a myth, fucking dangerous myth, murderous myth. So talking to him, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but he's like, so. Yeah, he talks about that class solidarity as well, where when you are so immiserated and the fucking seat is falling out of your pants and the seat is falling out of the pants of the white family next door and that is how, you know, he described to me. We were actually having an argument, kill surprise. He won it. Fuck it. Uh, Don't make this man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Look, Tony's, you know, like Tony's a fucking legend. Intellectual heavyweight. Um. Uh, keeps not being available for the podcast. But so that solidarity is the one, the solidarity of class that is a way to break through. Like it's not always, it's not going to mean that I understand you. It's not going to, I mean, look, I don't think masculinity is particularly under threat as like the dominant fucking condition. So I don't feel sorry for you. But I do kind of want to understand you, but I also understand that I can't understand, like, um, the fact of, and this is kind of a dangerous, well, I'm not saying that I'm very brave, but it's a dangerous thing to talk about because, so there was this thing in feminism where, you know, and this was my kind of like academic coming to feminism where we talked about the female body a lot, right? And it was like how the female body, like, received and reproduced the messages, And so, you know, there's all this stuff about vaginas and what have you. And then the interesting thing that happened is that when, um, you know, really great trans academics um, started contributing to this discussion, like the physical feeling of a body was something that some people felt, I think it was just like intellectually lazy, to be honest, to abolish it. So, okay, what I'm trying to say is that I am actually very curious about what it feels like to be uh, uh, a cis man, right? Like. I often wonder what it's like to have a dick Um, and (laughs) but like not just a dick dick, like not just like but a dick as it exists in society. Yeah. And like I reckon it would be awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like it's not something that I think that I can ever understand. No. You know, and it's like it's a mystery to me. I just I really want to know what it's like to be a white man with a cock, like, and a good cock too, like not just any old cock, like a reasonable cock. Because um, <laughs> size matters. Yeah, well, you know, in my fantasy, right, it's my fantasy. Yes. I'm not going to. Because it's a marker of your masculinity. Because uh, that's all we've got. Yeah, I want, they're our metrics. That's I want like my good uh, small version of, of the big uh, phallus 
threshold yeah. signifies. So yeah, understanding, understanding. It's, there are some things we can never have, and that's. But we want it all, and that's yeah. part of kind of like that's part of white identity. And as you say, you know, you don't understand it, and also when the defining condition of your life is an actual material struggle for survival, then that becomes the condition of your life. And that's why, you know, Tony has actually kind of like for a brief period in his life experienced solidarity and with others, even though it was a miserable solidarity. It was like, I understand you. And um, another chat that I had with the uh, Aboriginal artist Richard Bell and I asked him a question. He was like, oh, God, do I have to be Aboriginal today? Yeah. And so that um, for me, like, it's like it actually gets tedious and tiring and wearing to be reminded of your race identity. Now, when that is, you know, a really defining condition, like even if it's nice, you know, even if people are saying, oh, thank you, and uh, for coming to our richly diverse modern Australia where we're democratic and multicultural, I love your food. You know, I mean, it's like whatever, whether you're saying there are plenty of positive and negative ways to remind somebody of their race identity. And for me, like I was thinking the other day, right, like when I heard this news and I heard it first from Shakira Hussein, who's my bestie, and I'm mm-hmm. not fucking boasting because my bestie is a brown Muslim. I mean, it's just, she just happens, it's a fact, right? It's like it's not some of my best. She's just like she hates me and she thinks I'm wrong like intellectually and she says I'm a bad person and she calls me Becky and it's not <clears throat> a boast, it's just a fact like she's my bestie. I mean, I don't think I'm hers but she's mine. <laughs> and so I heard it from her and it was like um, uh, I won't, you know, it was an intimate conversation and her intimate thoughts so I won't share it all. But so what I heard was that uh, 50 of my comrades who were Muslim had been slain by a white Australian man uh, who um, uh, and, and, and it was during Friday prayers. And so that was the story. and. You know, the sometimes you can't just physically kind of cops this sort of thing, and I just uh, sort of shut down. It's like I don't want to know anything, and then I, you know, turned on the news because I thought that I might. And they're like, the ABC News is going on and on and on with like any detail, any meaningless detail. All these people saying, "How did it happen? How did it happen?" And very soon. For me, the dominant story became a case of like, let's pretend that we don't have a white identity because there's all these people saying, um, well, this man, he's not my man. This man is an anomaly. And so for me, that's like one of those kind of like shared crises of race identity where we're all saying that we're not like this man. We were Australians. And um, there's two ways, well, progressive, nice people, right? which like most everyone pretends to be or is or whatever. I'm sure you all fucking care, whatever. You know, you're all fucking lovely, aren't you? Fucking hashtag hope, hashtag promise, hashtag I love fucking boat people. You know, whatever, right? But so like I, I went on the fritz. That's the only way I can describe it. And then my bestie told me what basically I think is her bestie <laughs> said, which is. still be determined and and the emotional response right was they're not going to stop killing us Mm. and 
that's a historical fact. It's one that even precedes the colonial project. And in that moment when I heard that, I had this very powerful gut jolt of shame where I realised, yeah, I don't, it, I mean, it's obvious. Like, again, sort of this thing that we're talking about, like, you're like, yes, of course, you know, white is the standard identity and male, uh, and, and to be a white male, you know, you don't have to think about your gender and you're ashamed when you remember that there's a gender. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I've got a gender too, but I think that it's normalised and it's not and I only think it's normal because blah, blah, blah. So you know this intellectually, right? And you know that race is a fiction. It has no basis in biology and you know that race is a product of modernity and a justification and a product of the colonial project, which is continues almost identically, except now we call it globalisation and now we call it development. And it's really not that different, except actually it's worse. And in that moment, it's like, oh, yeah, I really got a white identity because my first emotional response is they're going to keep killing them, aren't they, right? But, yeah, that's a very reasonable actually entirely historically accurate, even if emotional response. It wasn't my first response. My first response was, oh, fuck. I just fucking can't. And I don't want to know. Yeah, but uh, your friend doesn't get that choice. Yeah, yeah. But then the white dominant emotional response is that this guy, you know, um, Okay, so uh, he's a product of the alt-right. I saw the appalling. Can we stop calling it that? Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a brand for fuck's sake. Yeah, and it's. Please. You know, and it's probably like a, you know. It, normal, it normalizes it like it's a choice you'd make. I think what it does is that it doesn't normalize it. It says that it's this sort of poison virus um, or whatever. I mean, you know, like 4chan. Um, uh, boards were delighted on the day that it was legitimised by use by Hillary Clinton. It's like, yeah, like, you know, I don't pretend to understand 4chan. I'm an old lady, but I know that like a good part of their work is like sort of collective work is to like make uh, other people, you know, have a joke on people that don't understand their language. Yeah, so, and that, exactly. That's exactly what it's about. It's so just, like, you know, that it's okay to be white. Like, you know, they said, oh, what's a really inoffensive, meek kind of cuck thing that we can say about white identity that we can make liberals really cross with? And then so, you know, you know that oh, it's okay to be white. Thing. Well, it was, yeah. I mean, it was a classic example of how it crosses over into, into the mainstream culture. It happened because I was covering the summer of cricket um, with my other wife. And uh, a bunch of knuckleheads were unfilled, and it's okay to be white banner at a big bash game in Perth mm. on on the uh, on the stadium. Yeah, I and, mean, and uh, which those of us who understood what the the coded message was to their fellow fellow um, travellers was a, a victory for the four chan eight chan uh, mob that they could actually infiltrate and normalise something like that in that environment. But Cricket Australia said, oh, if they do it again, they'll be banned. Because they simply didn't understand yeah. the, the implications of it. Like it's, it was a language that's beyond the reach of of a of a white predominant culture that thinks, yeah. yeah, actually, it is okay to be white. So what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, it's a statement of fact, right? It's a statement of fact. It's okay to be right, white, right? And the fucking progressive uh, response, uh, the liberal progressive response, is like best is strange. So this word, which like 4chan is like, let's give liberal, let's give SJWs um, busy work. 
let's sort of say something that's got completely cuckish and inoffensive and get them really upset by it and make them believe that this is actually a slogan. When it So re- what's the right right response to that? Fucking just there is no right response. It's like, you know, people are manipulating meaning and like I'm not like I can't pretend to know what's going on with 4chan but you know like and things evolve subcultures evolve right but I mean I have met some people from anonymous before this is going back though right there was a time like of course it was always kind of like dominated by as far as I know white people right but there were certain things like there were certain conventions and uh you know, you call people rude things and you try to be, and this is an old tradition on the internet, like this is pre-WWW, right, where you actually try to be the most fucking offensive turd that you can possibly be. And so that is like, you know, right or wrong, whatever, it's a form of speech. Like you might not want to do it, but, you know, it's like, or then again, you might like to go to the pub with your mates on a Friday and call them all a pack of cunts. And and then sort of try to get more creative and it's sort of like um, kind of like really vulgar improv. You're a cunt, yes, and you are a cunt filled with pus, yes, and, you know, and whatever and whatever, right? So let's just sort of understand it as that. And I'm not trying to explain it or even pretend that I understand it, but I do understand some of those traditions um, in terms of like just being obscene. And, and so some of these traditions have now become quite normalised, like, did you ever think, you know, you being my age, Francis, and happy birthday, by the way, darling. Oh, thank uh, you, sweetheart. Uh, you know, did you ever think that it would be normal uh, that, you know, you could just like meet someone or see a friend that you don't, don't really know uh, much and they'll say, I'll go and fucking die in a fire. Okay, now a really, really common thing to see on the internet. These are the disinhibited traditions. Uh, so a lot of the time I think that 4chan um is like like I'm not saying that it's noble or or defending it I'm just saying that it's a thing so a lot of the time it's like just being a pack of cunts and having your own shared joke and then it became you know used or not used or variously used or whatever is it not the ultimate product of that sort of behavior what we saw in all uh, in oh, no. what do you mean no come on I'm what, asking you a question The ultimate product of the colonial project is what we saw, okay? So do you know, do you have among your friends people that think that, um, you know, Hillary Clinton should have been the president and was the most qualified woman for the job? Do you Have you ever met anyone? Of course I know. Plenty of people think that, Alan. And then you say, well, you know, like say you're not me and you don't get kind of like incredibly offended and like, you know, and, and, and tear them apart. Well, you say, well, what about, you know, Libya? That seemed like maybe a bit of a political project and then escalating the tensions with Russia. That didn't seem to be good. And she actually became, um, you know, she made Russians not white again kind of thing. You know, like she sort of, I mean, you get people uh, calling, actually using the word Slav, like an ethnic slur and stuff. And like, why did she kill all those people in Libya? That hasn't ended well, blah, blah, blah. And... But, I mean, you think about all of the murders, the legitimate murders, the legal murders of Muslim people, and you think about, say, the fact of the Northern Territory intervention, and you think about how little in media and as, and as individuals we allow ourselves to feel for the crimes in which our, our nation state is complicit, 
And then you're telling me that the result, not you, but like everyone else who is white mostly is telling me that the product of like of doing things that men have done in pubs for years um, and that people all around the world do, which is to be like obscene and have their own kind of like high school language. So that ends in the death of people facing Mecca in an act of, I don't, you know, have a maker. But so you're, what you're saying is the, the, as you call it, the colonial projects. Well, yeah, funda- let, let's not car- call it. What, oh. what do you mean as I call it? Like you don't think that there's a colonial project? No, no, I, I do. But look, I understand what you're saying. But that, that it's currency in the end, it's, it's you know, like if it's, it's gold standard currency is violence. Well, yeah, but violence of, 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 of various orders. You know, it results in the erasure, either in a in a, in a cultural sense, um, or uh, an actual life sense of others. So, I, I, how like really simple. Yeah, we're all supposed to get all fucking patriotic about like participating and killing fucking God knows how many uh, Iraqi people, right? And then, like, you have friends who justify it and you have friends that say, you know, Hillary was okay for voting for it and, you know, what a good idea and we've got to do it because national security, Andrew Hasty, blah, 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 Muslims, bad. And I could fucking name, if I was half the bitch I could be, certain fucking feminists that we all adore who were very, very much about, well, those Muslim people, they really don't treat their women well. You know, like completely fucking racist, completely anti-feminist. So, I mean, I just find it really hard to say that because people are assholes on the internet and use bad words and hate speech, that this is the example and this is the thing. No, this man is our man. Our white identity produced this man. The white identity that we still have, the white identity that makes me feel sick every time I realise I have it and what that means. Because this is us. We kill people. I'm not saying me personally or you personally or you personally, but there are so many examples that it's right to just erase the lives of Muslim people. And this country is based on the erasure of people they didn't, you know, Terra Nullius, there was no one here, not actual humans. So the poison is not 4chan. And you know, 4chan uses a right to laugh at the dominant culture when we say it's them, it's not us, when we have had and have a present where this keeps on happening. And so, yeah, so like it was, you know, speech acts, like the acts of speech you know, have much more influence, like the law, make that act illegal. But what about all the other acts that are legitimate? Like, there's so many examples that it's wrong, that it's not wrong, in fact, it's heroic to kill a Muslim or to somehow, like, deaden Islam or whatever race it is that we're hating that day. So I think that it's uh, uh, an easy cop out intellectually to say oh well it was hate speech and I think that the 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 intellectual conclusion that is more difficult to come to if you're a white person is the one that I heard about which is they're going to keep killing us 
aren't they? Which is the experience. Because, you know, even quite, you know, liberal progressive Muslim people I know hate the fuck out of Hillary Clinton for what she has done. Because they even have people in their families they know who have died. And everybody apologizes for her because she's like this progressive thing and she was the most qualified. So I just like, does it matter if it's a death by an individual or a death by the state? And moreover, isn't the state and our culture setting that example? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, this. You think it through. You can't just say it was 4chan, mate. No, I don't think it was just 4chan. I, 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 look, I Uncivilised speech. When our speech has been so civilised throughout the colonial period, this is a white delusion and this is what, like, I am actually quite, um, like, upset and I'm, like, I admit that I'm upset for myself because my identity is on the fritz. Like, I can't not be white. This is the way I know. I will cease to exist. I will have, like, an existential crisis if I don't have this identity because I don't know another. Like, it's not a choice. And I don't expect anyone to feel sorry for me, but it's, like, it's fucking confusing, right? It's very confusing. And it's, like, um, I mean, I know intellectually I'm capable of thinking my way through it, but if... It is, this is not a product of the current era. This has been going on and on and on. And you know as well as I do that it's an arbitrary distinction between what is uh, legal, permissible, um, something that we can cheer, and what is considered an anomalous act. So how is what this man did uh, not also what the colonial project or if you want to call it development, like the World Bank does, like the imposition of the dominant order. So, so let's just say that he's an agent of what has been occurring in any case, but he went, you know, freelance. It's not a crisis. It's part of something that continues. It's in the code, right? It's not a bug, but it's a feature. Of so it will continue to keep happening. But it, it is happening. And so that's the thing. Like, the horror, like, it's not not happening. We didn't give a fuck about Yemen, right? You know, like, uh, Saudi, oh, you know, well, you know, sometimes we'll critique them, you know, because they don't treat their women well, but then sometimes not. And, I mean, you know, the stuff about Venezuela, you know, people of colour as well right like they're bad i mean it's like everybody's bad everybody's bad and like the white identity progressive tendency in australia is to like focus all your efforts on a, a population that your head can get around and i understand this which is we're going to make we're going to free the people on nauru okay and that's great i fucking fully support you but unless we transition and unless we can see our identity as raced and unless we can understand, and like you were talking about before, like have that gut reaction and work through it, like what we're fucked, dude. Like we're fucked. Like the only response that is a good one is white shame. And then what? And what do you do with that shame to turn it into something that actually changes the circumstance? Well, as I said, I'll, I'll read it out to you again, right? And this is just a letter. This is just a, a Marxist thought bubble that you can read in Franz Fanon. Shame is a truth which at least teaches us to recognise the emptiness of our patriotism. 
and the abnormality of our state system. And this is kind of like, you know, this is a more sort of like class-based approach you would take to or understanding our depression, right? Like the depression is instructive. It's not nice, but it's instructive. And for me anyway, like unless I intellectually understand the depression as a response, um, as an intelligent response in my case to the world around me, uh, like what is inside me, what have I naturalised as true and that feels right, that is not. So from having this sickness, like just to do, really do that personal is political stuff. And if I agree that I am a product of this world, which is obviously the case, then what do I do with my shame? Well, I think that very well-meaning white identities have buried it. And they say, it is 4chan, we need to ban hate speech. And they're so certain about this, they're so certain about the need to ban hate speech on the internet that people are seriously talking about anonymity on the internet. See, I'm not of that mind. I, I don't think banning it achieves anything because it doesn't make it go away. I want to try and understand it. No, it's better, yeah, it's better that we repress it. It's better that we say that it belongs to, like, that and drum on the ABC. Like, Julia Baird's a nice person, but fuck me, Julia, get some fucking guests that can fucking find their dicks without the use of a magnifying glass and Google Maps because there was a whole bunch of turds on the other night saying, well, the kind of people that do this are saddos and outliers. So, you know, this is one response, like, these people are not like us. Or these people well, are. Well, they are like us. I mean, you know, even yeah. that individual situation of this person we're talking about was very much like us. He was working in a gym like you wouldn't have known him from a. I Adam. don't actually, do you mind, you know, like, just in an emotional sense, I don't want to know anything no, but, about but, him. But like, you're just, instructive that he is, was, will be like us. Yeah, but in any, but it's not only a problem to call him anomalous, and it's not only a problem to say ban hate speech because it always ends like this. But what is. A problem is to not, like, just individually, this is not a revolutionary solution for you if you're white. It's like work through the shame. Be ashamed. You should be fucking ashamed. Like, not because you did anything, but just because it's in your code, you know? And, you know, let you start, you know, do shame is a defrag, you know? Uh, it's a bug, but it's also a feature. And so to, to, for me to understand, especially in a nation state, you know, um, with land that is, you know, seized in brutality and murder, like to say that this is incidental or a side issue uh, when it keeps happening, it's happening all around the world when we are the absolute uncritical partners of US foreign policy and no one can count the dead, you know, the dead from poverty, um, the dead from climate change, uh, you know, Gus Anhaj um, proposes um, that, you know, race plays its part in our ability to ignore climate change. And so there are the, the, the shared white identity, which is built by the way that white people talk to each other, and that doesn't mean change your language. You know, I mean, fuck, this whole idea about civilised speech do you know how long our speech has been beautifully civilised? Like you read um, Adam Smith in particular, there's a speech that he makes in 1755 about um, 
I've been exploring my white shame throughout history these last few days. You might have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Where he talks about the colonial project and how do you impose it? Well, um, you know, you you tell the countries that you are going to measure them in – uh, you know, in in the terms of wealth that they will enjoy once you have seized them. So it's sort of like half cynical and half not. Like it's like, you know, we really have to believe that our way of doing things is the best and that our seizure of your land is the best. Now, you didn't do it and your ancestors didn't do it and you weren't there and blah, blah, blah. But where you are is having your white identity perhaps as one that is complicit with the ruling class white identity which is, as you say, you know, something that is, like, not the defining condition because you really fucking did grow up poor, dude. Like, there was misery in your home, right? Yeah, there was. It, yeah, it still turns to visit regularly, yeah. unfortunately. And it was poverty of misery. And, I mean, you know, the first time we spoke, like, I don't think I would have started a podcast. I was, like, again, you know, that gut thing, like, that moves you on when you talk because you know the social history of Broad Meadows in Melbourne so well. And when you talk with such um, kind of like forensic passion about who you are, what the place was, why it was purpose-built to produce people whose single function was to make biscuits at minimum wage. Yeah, biscuits and cars. That's yeah, what we were. Biggies and cars, fucking Australian way. Bored and Nabisco. And the whole, you know, and this is kind of Keynesian, um, but like the whole kind of like place was socially engineered mm. as so many things are, like including like fucking the shit that you read about, like, you know, playgrounds, fucking part of the racial hygiene eugenics project, you know, keep the workers fit. And you know because you do have a socialist tendency and you do have a tendency to history even though you keep saying that fucking Keynes is some kind of genius right <laughs> whatever he made a few things better for a few people a, a brief moment in time full employment for I them. know we're just trying to civilize capitalism which is just not the other thing with Keynes though you, your boyfriend Keynes you know did rely on like the maintenance and the development of the of the nuclear family so <laughs> yeah feminist win for razor fuck <laughs> You, you are listening to knackers, 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 and the vag, vag, vag. Okay, so just to uh, like infine what I've been yeah. saying, one colonial project goes on and on and on. Um, like my goodness, and now we are saying that you know, uh, like the worst thing that can happen is Fraser Anning. Like, no, we're not saying that. No, but people are saying that. It's in the papers. You know, the the one he's project, the lightning rod for that, but he, he's yeah. Not- but so why are we not talking? About, like, our fucking, you know, dead comrades. Why are we talking about ourselves and saying we are not Fraser Anning? We never go on 4chan. We've never told anyone to die in a fire. Well, I have, we I've seen plenty of discussion fish. about, uh, no, you know, you, there's been a lot of discussion that I've read that talks about the, the increasing comfort with which most Australians now accept racist ideology and it's always been there but this but is progressive saying more- that they're not racist and not even admitting that this has anything to do with the colonial project like this is yes no i i can see that most people would not take that position on board the, that's true the document that has most excited australians right is this fucking like piece that looks like it was 
you know, written by a committee of like, you know, middle tier comms professionals who are used to like writing, um, is your board diverse enough pamphlets for the boring, right? So there's this letter, Prime Minister, please remove Fraser Anning from Parliament. Hey, I say, why not cut out the racist middleman? And why not kick out the fucking racist Prime Minister and the whole fucking racist lot of them, which is drenched as am I, with this shameful thing that we keep burying in the past or attributing to other people and saying that the worst expression of it possibly can be the Nazis. Now, I will and I have and I've changed. And even though it's like, you know, I don't go all the time because it's like, you know, emotionally difficult, but I will go. I went, I went to St Kilda Beach. Mm. I yelled at those fucks and then, um, and then I went and interviewed them hoping that they hadn't seen me on the other side to try to understand. Got a range of answers. Um, so, so I've seen. I've seen him and and I was just so like, how can, so this is like during Shabbat on the 100th birthday of the original formation of the Nazi party, yeah. you know, these, this poison thing is here on St Kilda Beach. I want to humiliate Bear Cottrell, Fraser Anning. I want to make them appear uh, ridiculous. I don't think that there is anything better than throwing an egg at Fraser Anning for, you know, the man who blamed corpses for their own death. Oh, well, this is just an example of the danger. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is like like victim-blaming version two, right? It's oh, like, it's taking it to a, a whole new level. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense, but. But what do you make sense of his complete lack of remorse? But why? Why hasn't we... he had any? I mean... But who cares about Fraser Anning? Do you know? You know he's quite a wealthy man, despite bankruptcy, right? Like landholder. How would you guess his forefathers got that wealth? Just to... stole it from indigenous people. Yeah, actually, you know, like actually violent seizure. Um, you can. I'm not bullshitting. You can look this up. I'll. I will finally do show notes to, um, you know, substantiate this. And so even though there's that evidence and even though it's an ongoing project and so, like, we all, like, you know, the worst thing you can do and Bill Shorten is like, yeah, we've got to, like, knowing on, on, on the internet, you know, we have all got to be, like, you know, open and, um, and we must stop this hate speech and hate speech is like, like, it's cynical with Bill Shorten, right? You know, and that cunt, I'm sorry, but he is. Um, no, I'm so I'm not sorry. That is a description. This this person who has promised to maintain the surveillance state, to keep the racist um, and actually hugely inefficient and fucked up home affairs mega de- mega department of you know pretty much devoted to racism, and you know a few other things like I'm sure eventually they'll you know, fucking start giving shit to the socialists when they've run out. I'm of sure they're listening to this. Black people, yeah, sorry. I mean, I actually do take pleasure in the fact that probably some poor fuck Asia has to listen. But um, thank <laughs> your you. Your file grows by the day. Yeah, thank you for your your clicks. But, like, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. It's like we can't just keep saying that it's someone else, that it's not happening, that our richly progressive multicultural state, I love your foreign food, oh, my God, you make me so rich. Let all of them come. Let all of them stay. I am very progressive. What this does to me is bury the shame. 
And if the shame, as you say, is an instructive emotion and the only place that like the kind of thought that will change the world can start, you know, and I think that's a pretty liberal sentiment. I think like a liberal would say that it's like if it's in my heart, but like, yeah, if it's in your heart, like my first response is always fucked up. Like, okay, so to be really honest, um, okay, so like the emotional response, they're going to keep killing Muslim people. My best friend, I don't know how to communicate uh, an apology. I can't look at this, whatever. After all that, I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to write about this, aren't I? You know, like so, you know, there's a range of fucked up responses. But if we really want to challenge this whole kind of like white identity thing, it's not just enough to say I have white privilege and I'm like, okay, so I have white privilege. Like there are privileges that I have. and But I haven't really known in a gut way what that meant. And my white privilege is my ability to bury my shame and not internalise it. And the, the, the culture makes that and the politics make that very easy for me. And white people are making that very easy for me because they're saying, sign this, you know, fucking petition on change.org. And I fucking love you, Sally Rugg. You're a fucking top lesbian. She's the CEO yeah. or whatever. Don't but sign that, anything on change.org. But that is like a fucking piece of shit, right? It's a fucking piece of shit. Like remove Fraser Anning. Like this is where you 1.5 million Australians of the white majority are like putting your energy and your pain and your suffering. You're making it about yourselves, you fucks. You know? On this we can agree. Like it, but that is a burial of the past. It's a burial of the, of, of the present. It's an obfuscation of the fact of white identity because I am saying I don't understand this person. Well, if you don't understand how many Muslims are killed, you know, don't say not in my name. Feel revulsion for the fact and feel true shame for the fact that you don't care. Feel fucking shame for the fact that you think that Hillary Clinton was absolutely right to fill Libya with blood, right? Like just fucking have a fucking think and fucking be ashamed. I'm fucking ashamed of you. You fucking white fuck. I'm fucking ashamed of myself. I go on the fritz when I have these shame things and realise that, oh, my gosh, I have a race identity. And if you don't fucking fix it, you will be a fucking tedious fucking, even a parody of Clementine Ford in between fucking selling financial products to rich white fucking bitches. You know, and what good does that do if you say I'm diverse and intersectional? No, you're not. It's not intersectional to sell fucking products from Lloyds of London while you say, I don't mind black people and I really understand their pain. No, you don't understand it. Like, just fucking sever yourself from history, right? Something has to come next and it doesn't happen in isolation. Feminism doesn't happen on its own and it's not universal. Racism doesn't happen on its own. We didn't even have the concept of race until modernity. Race is the necessary condition and the product of the colonial project. Sure, we had tribalism and ethnic rivalries, but we didn't have these categories in our head that killed. And unless you fucking go into your head, you fucking white prick, and say, I am ashamed. You don't, any, any good stuff in your life that happened fucking awesome, I am happy for you. I want that for everyone. 
But your identity is not under threat. What is under threat is your ability to live with yourself. You're having an existential crisis. You don't fucking know how to live. And, you know, go and fuck a sheep, in my view. What do you reckon? <laughs> a sheep? Oh, or whatever the Australian Gallipoli way is. I, 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 I don't know. Fraser Anning is a normal everyday he is, colonial settler. He is of us. He is Australian. Us. He's us. I think he's having an identity crisis, which is why he says all that shit, because he's trying to explain, because he knows very well how he got to where he was today. And he stands there on St Kilda Beach on Shabbat, you know, like the Jewish fucking heart of Melbourne where people, you know, fleeing the thing that we all agree, you know, in Australia was the worst thing in the world ever, you know, because like, you know, fuck partition that killed two million people. We, we have our favourite, like, you know, we have the ethnic cleansing that we care about and then we have the ethnic cleansing that we don't care about, you know, like whatever. It's like, you know, we have the enemy of the day, but he stands there and he's like, you know, and he's like, like, poor little victim me, I can't say a thing, you know. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're an idiot and, like, you fucking. You have the bully pulpit of the Australian Parliament. You get $200,000 like. a year and he, you're paid to come to St Kilda to say you can't say a thing, even though you've referenced the final solution, like in your fucking maiden speech. Like, you're shitting all over the place and people are throwing money at you. Fuck, what else do you want? But this is the thing about fascists. They're always petty bourgeois. Like, they're never really poor people. True. Trotsky will tell you. Francis Leach is our guest here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, Vag, Vag. Have, I, I'm like, how, but, like, I don't know. What, like, it's not, about, it's not about you and me changing, right? It's like, but it's about you said the gut thing. Do you think that's what we've learned from today? Is that the lesson? Yes. The gut is everything in that sense. It's, it's, it's feeling what you, what you, what you believe. It, when you make the connection between the two, it's incredibly powerful. And, um, and as you said, it leads to a level of, um, of despair too because you realise you can't be what you intellectually want to be. But despair is okay, right? Yeah, it's okay. It's the truth. Yeah, why should you not despair? Like why should you have not been depressed? Why should your memories of childhood not, you know, afflict the man that you are why should you not be affected it's impossible so it is impossible so like in a sense like if you think that the first right thing to do is to say white people aren't like that we love you richly diverse mm. blah 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 i'm talking to you white people uh, like i'm you know like people who are sick of white fucks talking hopefully you've already turned off <laughs> but like because we do go on about ourselves almost all the time uh but yeah um I don't know, like you, for you, I think maybe gender is a real question. Yeah, it's massive. Of the era. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, gender is an ongoing question, but, I mean, the mode of production is like a huge But gender question. and race are bound up in all of that too. Well, yeah, because genders are not like woman. When you say woman, you mean white woman, you know, but not. So, yeah, anyway, but it's like for, for, for me – I think we need to stop asking this is a terrible thing and I know it's unacceptable both in like a middle-brow intellectual sense and in a raping people sense to say once I saw a good thing in a Woody Allen film. 
I was watching with my mum when I was about 18, the film Hannah and Her Sisters. You know this film? I know the film well. And so like this, uh, Max von Sydow plays this kind of like, you know, despairing yeah. character. My absolute favourite character of all time in any Woody Allen film. And I, I don't, I'm not like, like Annie Hall's funny, whatever, I'm not a huge fan. And he's like this guy who's like obviously Frankfurt School Marxist, you know, or maybe a bit Hannah Arendt anyway. So Barbara Hershey, who plays his wife, comes home and, and uh, you know, she's about to divulge to him that she's in love with another man. And she says, what did you do tonight? And he said, oh, I watched another tedious film on Auschwitz, something <laughs> yeah. like this. And, Sorrow and the pity. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, a bunch of middle-brow intellectuals asking the questions that should not be asked. And they ask, how could this possibly happen, which is the wrong question. In fact, the question is why does this not happen more often? And the lives of comrades lost in World War II is a shadow that informs every Jewish person on the planet uh, and, uh, you know, history today, right? And, you know, all of, all of that stuff. But it didn't stop happening, you know. Just like switched, and if you think for a minute, and you can go to the White Rose Society and look at documented links that Fraser Anning has to actual Nazis, and if you think for a minute that like Jews aren't the ultimate money shot of the Nazi consciousness, because like Jews are the ones they really hate, like they're working their way up to killing the like who they believe are the true mud people, like you know, I mean it's fucking insane, but that's where it goes, right? And unless you think about your shame. Um, you, you just like just for you, just for your own survival. You 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 you're not getting anywhere. But so I like I love that. Do you know that monologue where he says that? Yeah. Like, and that is for me like it changed my. I fucking hate saying it, but it changed my thinking immediately. I was like, yeah, it's not like how could this possibly happen? It's like it's surprising that this doesn't happen more often. And, you know, just to quote the sentiment of a friend of a friend who is Muslim who, you know, made a call on WhatsApp, who's in France at the moment, they're not going to stop killing us, are they? That's not the white identity response, but it's a thing that you need to tell your white identity. And, um, yeah, you can take Mark Latham, you can take all of the like, extreme racism out but these are just like I mean in one way they're I mean fucking awful awful utterances and awful people but what they're doing is giving us the naked expression of the the racism that informs the colony pulling back the curtain on it or allowing them for a good example I think like you, you look at the pieces that have been written in Australian press and then you look at the pieces that have been written in New Zealand press and the depth of thought in them is extraordinary. In mainstream New Zealand press, you're getting like... Is there, can I ask you, do you think that because of the nature of... And the, the, no, not to idealise race relations in New Zealand. God, no. But uh, that they are more, more progressed than they are here. That well, but, they, but if there is a reason for that, it was um, material in that, um, you know, like... Maori yep. people uh, were of uh, like a, a different kind of 
constitution. Yes. Uh, in their you know social organisation. Yeah, so sing- almost a, a, almost entirely singular language and culture that yeah. was uniform through. So they could organise in in a way that say a, a nation state would understand, and therefore had an opportunity exactly. had an opportunity exactly. to coalesce around that. And the Treaty of Waitangi gives them more opportunity to have a singular identity of sorts. Yeah, it was like, you're not fucking taking my land. Pretty okay, much. Well, we are, but we better have a treaty. <laughs> or else this is going to be ugly for everyone. Um, and it, not rather than just the just the. Uh, so, inhabitants. yeah, it's like not because, you know, like the white people are good or or whatever. It's just like, well. No, they, yeah. were, they were brought to the table mm. in a pragmatic sense because of, the, because of that cultural difference, which doesn't exist in Australia because of the very unique nature of individual Aboriginal communities with, with different language and culture and identity and and dreamings yeah. that, that do intersect but are not alike. Yeah, and you don't kind of like, you know, you don't. And, the, and also the vast gra- geographical yeah. physical distance, which means that most people with white identity have never experienced Indigenous culture in any meaningful way, um, which is different in New Zealand again. See, the mode of production, baby, the mode of production. <laughs> the mode of production. Uh, no, it does. Ha- it does have an influence. It's not the only influence. It's a long and tedious historical conversation. Francis has uh, been entertaining, but I have been, and it's a stylistic choice, as tedious as the understanding of history. How are you feeling at the end of this week? Of you know, like the, you know, have you submitted to shame? I had that anyway, I think. Yeah, me too. Hey, we are Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> I can do that easy. That's my one word, as they say in golf. I'm teeing off on that. Yeah. yeah. But yes, absolutely, totally. I mean, I don't divorce it from white identity at all, what happened. And I, you, I, I, or our history or our present. No, I can. I, look, the connection to you make I understand and accept is, is very real. Um, whether I can affect any change in, in that regard, I don't know. Yeah, the only uh, change um, that ever occurs is in a mass and the only moments, Francis, and as I was, we were saying earlier, like, um, you know, Tony Birch describes it too, there's these moments of, like, solidarity through identification if you do grow up in shit, which you did, right? And you, everyone's poor and you're poor and that's your identity because that's the crushing reality of your every moment. You can't go to the dentist and, you know, dad's like not talking for three years for some reason and, the, the, you know, the, the poverty, the material circumstances, the kind of work, you know, it's all fucking soul-crushing shit in the service of somebody else's wealth and you have that experience and that is your experience and that is your identity and that is your despair. So in this atomized world, the thing that we call the neoliberal age, which is getting worse and not better at all, and alt-right, which we shouldn't call it, whatever it is, it's a symptom. It's a symptom of a sickness. And, uh, you know, that's where the shame comes from. You, you, you don't realise that in some way you've participated in this mass virus of despair. It's not you, but it's in you. Look at the code and, you know, fucking restart i don't know my computer analogies are inevitably going to be hopeless but my god what can you do i guess see with sober senses as francis did as a young man 
you know, and that's like, you know, his compassion today is like only because like he had that experience and saw it like you are just like me, you are my comrade, right? And unless you have that and not in that liberal humanist, I don't see colour, we're all just the same thing. But unless you see that the struggle in some way can be shared, like you have to have this kind of like totalising Yeah, and I agree thing. with you on something there is that I've come to a point now where I accept there is a struggle again. There's a struggle. Again. Well, thank God you did that before you went and worked for the union. Getting up to my neck now. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see you, darling. Too long between chats and have I cuddles with you're right with knackers because I I love my little blue nose mate here. He's a ripper. Francis will Beautiful. be uh, appearing. I've got teddy bear. I do like a teddy bear. I I love a teddy bear too. Um, Francis will be uh, appearing um, at uh, a revolutionary struggle near you, <laughs> or at least I advertising. Think, you know how it. they say that people get more conservative as they get older. I think I'm going back the other way, like you. Oh, yeah, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I just fucking pull the ripcord. Like, nobody fucking wants me. Like, who wants a fucking 50-year-old bitch? Apparently no one. I'm very lucky to have a partner. Coming home, baby. Um, And, you know, I actually now almost 100% uh, depend on your patronage, actually. That's how much I'm not wanted. Like, you know, so what? Uh, so, like, patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. So, like, yeah, you know, like, that's part of it. Don't give a fuck, right? Like, you have to be... In order to be closer to your comrades, like you can't kind of give a fuck about what they think. I gave up caring what people think a very long time ago. Yeah, everyone thinks I'm a fucking rat bag. Except for me. I think you're wonderful. No, you think I'm wrong and utopian. I always did, but anyway, I still think. Uh, and you're like, you know, you're programmed to fucking save us from the depression, which actually didn't work. It was only Cheers, because darling. of World War II. <laughs> fucking loves his Keynes. I love him. But JMK. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It wasn't a fucking theory. It was a fucking response He's a genius. to austerity practice that didn't work. Look, he had a fucking program. Well, take it offline. Fucking, take it offline. He had a fucking – anyway, <laughs> you know, Keynes was a, a, a nice. partial answer in the West that maintained the fucking, you know, reliance – of women kept them in the fight. Yeah, whatever. Anyhow, work for a while. It's a partial answer. The true answer <laughs> is God. No, there's no fucking true answer. The true answer is in you. Try to stop being a cunt. When you realize you On are this, a we can cunt, agree. Feel the shame. When you feel the shame, interrogate the shame. Remember, shame is a revolutionary sentiment. You are not good. I am not good. Who fucking cares anyhow? She's not good. I fucking know fucking selling her fucking insurance. <laughs> but the point is. The only one who's good is Hackers because he's inanimate. We wonderful. build good into the systems that sustain us. Blue nose teddy That's bears. the only way. We build virtue into the system. And how do we do that? We keep building the virtue of fucking human values that we're not alienated from (laughs) by taking control as a mass. I don't want to tell you what to think. I just know that I'm right and in time you will see it. I'm doing the ultimate ultimate 21st century dickhead. We're silencing you, white people. No, you never shut up. I'm taking a selfie with Knackers. You have been listening to Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, Vag, Vag. 
the uh, nuisance that started us all has been our guest, Francis Leach. Now with Here the CFMEU. So at least I fucking politicised the prick a bit. <laughs> uh, but let's get him revolutionary, comrades. Uh, good to talk as always. Love um, you, Helen. Really oh. hoping that I can get like this piece about your white shame. It's, you know, I will admit it, it's entirely dressed to white fuckers, you know. I mean, and let's not pretend that I've been fucking writing to anybody else for the last, oh, my God, I'm having a white shame spiral. <sighs> Over and out. The whole nation. Bye.